the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, there is a cost to following Jesus. We must die to ourselves and do His will instead of our own. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. Well, I entitled this message, Being Left. There is only one God. There's only one Savior. First Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony born at a proper time. But I wonder if there are any that like to take shortcuts. Some shortcuts are okay. But if you're talking about being used of God or getting to heaven, you better seek only him. And guess what? He can always be found. Always. Man, you sit there and you say, you know, Lord, you know, I haven't really been used by you. I haven't really, you know, allowed myself that. But God, I'm opening myself up. You start praying that, all of a sudden, little doors of opportunity are going to open up. And yes, you might go to talk to people and they kind of, you know, maybe not goes anywhere. That doesn't go anywhere. That doesn't go anywhere. Then all of a sudden, just one day. And it's always when you least expect it, you'll start talking to someone and then just boom, it just happens. It's just like all of a sudden there's this like, well, you know, it's really weird you're talking to me about this because I had this question and that question. And then you're answering their questions. And all of a sudden, you know, you just say, well, you know, you could ask Jesus in your heart right now. And it's like, and then they do. And you're just like, what just happened? Like, what just happened? And if that's never happened to you, let me ask you, how many times you get in those conversations? See, it's kind of like anything else. See, I was a salesman for years. I used to sell construction equipment. And just part of selling construction equipment, you know, you walk up to a lot of people that own construction companies. Hi, how's it going? Would you like to buy an $80,000 forklift? No. Would you like to buy a $50,000 skid loader? No. Would you, you know, I mean, be, you hear no all the time. It's like, no, we're not spending any money right now. But then all of a sudden, you start persuading people like, well, okay, you know, you're out here, you're renting this shooting boom forklift. Yes, they're $80,000. That's why I'm renting it. Yeah, but have you thought like, you're paying $3,000 a month to rent that. Yeah. Well, think about it. You could buy one for $1,000 a month. I go, how many months a year do you rent this thing? Oh, about nine months. But then it would just sit for three months. Well, you'd only be paying $9,000 in rent instead of $27,000 in rent. So what if it sits for three or four months? Who cares? You're still paying way less money. And then all of a sudden, they start listening to you. And then all of a sudden, they're like, you know, you're right. I could actually, if I only use it six months out of the year, I'd be saving a ton of money. Bingo. 
And then all of a sudden you start persuading them. So you realize when you're selling construction equipment, there's people, do they just want to spend money? No, they don't want to spend money. But when you can actually show them that this is better for your business, it's the same thing with sharing the Lord. Yes, people are going to say, no, I'm not into the Jesus thing. I'm not into the religious thing and yeah, whatever. But then it's like, well, what's going to happen to you when you die? Well, I don't know. I don't really think about it. It's like, well, maybe you should think about it. You know, it's an amazing statistic, right? One out of every one person dies. So what's going to happen to you? Well, I'm just going to go on the ground. Really? Well, you know, the Bible says that it's appointed for us to die, and then we stand before God. See, the thing that you have working on your side is the Holy Spirit. And people already know there's a judgment. People already know that it's, it's, it's in us. You know, why do people try to be good at times? They're trying to make up for the bad, right? Oh, I, I was bad, so I need to do good now. I, I need to make up. I need to do this. And, well, let me give some money to the homeless because it, it'll make me feel better. Let me go rescue a, a dog, you know, and, and it, it'll make me feel better because I'm doing a good deed. Uh, now I'm going to have a less carbon footprint. I'm going to do good deeds. It's already in us. People know they're going to stand before God. So when you just say, you don't have to yell and scream at someone. You don't have to have veins popping out of your neck. It's just like, well, you know, this is what the Bible says. It's like, oh, uh, hmm, okay, yes. Yeah, so we can share about a holy God that there is a judgment day. And all of a sudden, you, you get that conversation going, and maybe it's just a little here, a little there. Look, if it's your neighbor, it's someone at work, you don't just bombard them every day, and let me just preach down your throat, but you just start planting little seeds, and you start watering those seeds, and all of a sudden, you start stimulating questions in their mind. Listen to what it says here, moving on in Acts here. Look what it says in verse 18, uh, chapter 19, verse 18. It says, many also of those who had believed kept coming, confessing, and disclosing their practices. And many of those who practiced magic, they brought their books together and began burning them in the sight of all. And they counted up the price of them and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and it was prevailing. See, when you start establishing with all the people you know and you start planting those seeds, all of a sudden, people start giving their life to Christ. So, you know, when I'm ministering to people, like those guys, I play basketball usually on Friday afternoon, late afternoon, like 5 o'clock. So there's a whole group of guys I'm ministering to uh, playing ball. Okay, so I got a whole group of guys that I'm dropping the gospel on. And this one guy, I was trying to, you know, invite him, you know, to church. And I was trying to give him one of our cards. He's like, no, I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. Two, two Fridays ago, he asked me for one. And I didn't go anywhere. With, I didn't go any farther with it. I was just like, oh, yeah, absolutely. But he rejected it multiple times because I've been playing ball with him now for six, seven months now. And it's like, and so I kind of stopped giving it to him. But he sees how I minister to the other people. And he sees how I continue on. So he's like, hey, can I have one of those cards? Like, absolutely. You know, and I gave him one. So see, God is starting to work there. And it's starting to happen. And so, see, I'm kind of ministering to like, 
I don't know, 30 people? Because, you know, ministering to the people over at the bank. You know, we still have the same bank as when we started 11 years ago. It's the one in Washington over there, the Chase Bank for the church. And so there's still people in there. I'm always ministering to them. I'm always inviting them to at whatever event we have here. You know, it's like I'm ministering to the people, you know, at the post office because we have a P.O. box and it's over off the, the one that's on motor over there. So there's the people in there. And every time something happens there, they're, hey, pastor, can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? Like, yes. See, they know I'm the pastor. They, can you pray? Yes. Yes. I'm ministering. We're renting a place right now because we're building a house. And so I'm, I'm, I'm renting this place to so the person that owns the place. I'm ministering to her. Then I went down and I met her husband and I'm ministering to him. And it's, you know, just little bits and pieces. I'm inviting them and this, you know. But I'm just, there's multiple people. But see, when you're ministering to like one person, that's it. I'm talking to one person. No, 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 no. Talk to like six, seven people at your work. Talk to your neighbors. Talk to this person. Talk to that person. I mean, have a whole bunch. Then all of a sudden, all those seeds are all of a sudden trying to take root. Yes, the word was growing mightily here and it was prevailing. I wonder if that's happening in your life. Is there any kind of revival happening with anybody around you? Are people being drawn closer to the Lord? Are you investing in their lives? Because it all comes down to investment. It's pouring into them. That's why we take time here at Core Church to minister to people. We want to minister to them spiritually. We want to pray for them. We want to pray for their families. Notice what the believers did in verse 18. They confessed their sins. They agreed with God that what they had done was wrong. I wonder if there's any here that need to confess their sin. Maybe you have unconfessed sin in your life. Maybe you're plagued with guilt and shame. Maybe you've tried to forget about it, but it seems to just gnaw at your soul. Well, you can be forgiven no matter what you've done. For the God of heaven loves you and he doesn't want you to live in that condemnation. Remember, we can't hide our sin from God. He sees everything. He knows our darkest secrets, which is a little scary because it's like there's nothing hidden from him. But getting back to Acts 19, not only did those who practiced magic confess their sin, but there was a, also a cost involved, meaning these people here in Ephesus were so entrenched in witchcraft that they needed to bring all of their books of hocus-pocus, all of their self-help books, all the things that they used to find the meaning of life. Now, they not only brought them, but they burned them because those things had failed them. They were now delivered. They never brought satisfaction to their soul. Their souls were seeking something more than all the self-help could give them. This was a sign of true repentance, though. This was saying, I am counting the cost of following Jesus. I'm not just confessing my sin. I'm turning away from my sin also. And they wanted to burn the memory of it. I'm done with my old ways is what they were saying. I'm done with my aspirations and my desires. I'm giving my whole life to Jesus. I'm going to follow his way now, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Notice they didn't say, hey, these books are worth a lot of money because they were expensive books. Verse 19 said they were worth 50,000 pieces of silver. 
Now, back in this day, a common laborer, you know, would work a full day for a piece of silver. So this is like 50,000 days of labor, okay? So if a laborer made, you know, 14, 15 bucks an hour, be like 120 bucks a week or whatever, this is like $5.6 million worth of books. It's just, there's all these people, a revival, hundreds of people are coming to know Christ, and now they're bringing in all this stuff that they used to, you know, follow witchcraft and everything, and they're just bringing it all in, and they're burning it all. I wonder... If there's anything that any of us have at home, oh, I'm getting personal now. Oh, I'm starting to poke where you don't want it to get poked. I wonder if there's anything that you have at home. Think about this, and the Holy Spirit of God will remind you. (laughs) He'll bring it to your mind right now. Something that is an area of sin in your life, and you still have it at home. You got it stashed somewhere. You know, maybe nobody else knows your little stash, but God knows your little stash. You know, maybe you need to dig it out tonight and you need to burn it. You're thinking, what, you want me to do a fire in my house? Well, yeah, if you don't have a fireplace, maybe, uh, you know, you, you put a pan together. Maybe you take it to the beach and do it at a burn ring or whatever. But maybe it's a bottle of alcohol you have. Maybe it needs to be poured down the drain. You just need to flush some drugs down the toilet. Maybe, you know, you need to burn some DVDs. You need to melt them. You know, maybe it's DVDs that you shouldn't be watching. You know, you just got to get rid of this stuff. And it's like, yeah, but they're worth a lot. Like, no, it doesn't matter. You get rid of it. You know, don't get rid of your drugs to someone else so they can have the problem with it. Don't get rid of the alcohol because it costs, and you have to put it down the drain so no one else can be harmed by this. Books, DVDs, whatever, get rid of it. You know, this is, you know, maybe you've got music that's got a bunch of, you know, lyrical content that's just really bad, man. You've got to get it off your, you know, your program. You've got to get it off your phone. You can't listen to it in your playlist anymore. Get rid of that stuff. You know, anything that's going to draw you away from the Lord, get rid of it. That's what they did here. We don't want to go back to this lifestyle. So get rid of all of it, which brings up our final point preaching one way let's read what happens here in verse 23 in about that time there arose no small disturbance meaning it was a ginormous disturbance concerning the way this is christianity he says for a certain man named demetrius a silversmith who made silver shrines of artemis was bringing no little business to the craftsmen so these he gathered together with the workmen of similar trades and said men you know that our prosperity depends on our business here they were making these little idols to you know the little god of diana there and and people were buying these idols and you see and hear not only an Ephesus, but almost in all Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a considerable number of people that used to buy their idols, or they're not buying the idols anymore, because the idols are nothing. They can't do anything for you, saying that the gods made with hands are no gods at all. Guess what? They're right. The gods that are made with hands are no gods at all. And not only is there danger that this trade of ours fall into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis or Diana be regarded as worthless and that she whom all of Asia and the world worship should even be dethroned from her magnificence. And when they heard this, they were filled with rage and they began crying out saying, great is Diana 
of Ephesus. Wow. So, I mean, the whole city's turned upside down. When it says in verse 23, again, there was no small disturbance. Again, these people were worked up into a frenzy. This man, Demetrius, who made a living making these little idols for the people to worship, was watching his livelihood go down the toilet. He said to himself, self? If everyone starts following this Jesus, who's going to be left to buy my little statues here? Oh, and poor Diana, the goddess, will be dethroned. And who is Diana again? Well, she is the mythological Greek daughter of Jupiter and the twin sister of Apollo. Her temple was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It was an impressive temple supported by a hundred large columns. The local legend was that her statue fell from the sky. And according to verse 26, Paul said, gods that are made with hands are no gods at all. Could you imagine you have a piece of wood. You start carving away, carving, carving, carving. Ah, there's a little nose. There's a little eyes. Here's some little ears. At what point does your log go from just a log that you would have used in the fireplace to have a fire to all of a sudden now you're bowing down and worshiping it because you put a face on it? I mean, it's just so ridiculous. Gods made with hands are no gods at all. That's what Paul said, and he was absolutely right. And Demetrius could think about, you know, all he could think was his prophets are gone. Well, Paul was right. No statue is a God. There's only one, and he's the creator of all things. And what did the living creator God have to say about little gods that were made by men to worship? In Jeremiah 10.3, he says, For the customs of the people are delusion." Because it is wood cut from a forest, the work of hands of a craftsman with a cutting tool. They decorate it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers. Like a scarecrow in a cucumber field they are, for they can do no harm, nor can they do any good. They can't do anything. Do you remember when Gideon, you know, he was, you know, God was trying to raise up Gideon. He was the weakest. He was the least in his family. And, you know, God said, hey, I want you to go tear down the altar in your dad's backyard. And he's like, he was so scared to do it. But he got some guys to do it in the middle of the night when everyone was sleeping. And they tore down the altar to Baal. And then all of a sudden, everyone wakes up the next morning. Who tore down our altar of Baal? And so they came and they, you know, they found out it was Gideon. So they went to Gideon's dad. Where's your son we want a piece of him and his dad's like well actually if Baal is a real god why does Baal do something himself I mean we have to go stick up for Baal I mean it's just like if Baal is real and this one that we've been worshiping is real then why in the world doesn't Baal stand up and do something what are we worshiping anyway well of course Baal did nothing because Baal doesn't exist Yes, men will create their own gods. This is done to soothe their own conscience. Many will fashion their own God in a way that they can best imitate it, what they want to do. And all of these men want to do was make money. So they stirred up the city. You know, get the mob going. Get the mob. It says in chapter 19, verse 29, it says, And the city was filled with confusion. 
And they rush with one accord. This is, you see the mob now and how the mob attacks people now. Oh, it's nothing new in our generation. This was going on right here. And with one accord, they went into the theater dragging along Gaius and Articus and Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. Oh, get the mob riled up. And that's what they did. Confusion means the state of disorder, the state of total distraction. And guess who likes to stir up confusion? The father of lies, the devil himself. And look at what the result of this confusion was. Look at verse 32. It says, so then some were shouting one thing and some another for the assembly was in confusion and the majority did not know for what cause they had come together. Me and my wife went to San Francisco about, I don't know, a year ago. And my wife does all the things on food, right? Because it's all about food. So we found this Mexican food joint that was there for like a hundred years. So we're going down there. So we pull in the parking lot to go. And there's these guys all around this car. And, and, and I'm just like, you know, I thought they were getting in their car to leave. No, they're breaking the window, busting in the car, stealing all the suitcases out of it. And it's just, it's happening right in front of me. I'm like, hey, what are you guys doing? They jump in the car and take off. And here's just, you know, people that were, you know, visiting on vacation, all their suitcases gone. I'm just like, this place is a hole. And it's like, oh my goodness. And this is what happens when you have total confusion and mob rule. So they forgot why they even came together. All the ministry that was going on has now been stopped. And the city clerk has to come in of Ephesus and get involved here. And he plays a safe, politically correct role, if you continue to read. And he sends everybody home. Isn't it amazing how so many times when we're trying to do what is right, the enemy will step in and cause confusion. I can't even tell you how many times I've been witnessing to someone and right at that moment when they're considering asking Jesus Christ into their heart as their Savior, bam, their cell phone goes off. Oh, hey, bro, yeah, you haven't talked to me forever. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, see, like, what just happened? I mean, like this guy was considering giving his life to Christ and his cell phone goes off. Or some friend walks up. What are you guys talking about? We're talking about Jesus. Oh, what are you wasting your time with that for? It's like, oh, jeez. And then all of a sudden the guy feels all this peer pressure and then everything just blows up. I've seen it happen so many times. Now, there's other times that people walk up and they'll say, hey, man, come on, let's go. It's like, "Uh, no, no, I'm listening to this guy. No, no, man, I'm getting ready to give my life to Jesus. I mean, and it's happened that way too. And I'm just like, yes, because you know that's real salvation there. That's real conversion. But anyway, yes, you know, when a person's eternity is in the balance, the enemy will pull every distraction that he can. And they say, you know, oh, you know, it's like, uh, I got to go, whatever. But I wonder if you've been distracted from becoming, as we end here now, the servant that God wants you to be. What's keeping you from God's perfect will in your life? Yes, it's amazing how when we try to get on track with God, here comes the distractions to the point of we forget what we were trying to do in the first place. Yes, there is a cost to following Jesus. We must die to ourselves and do his will instead of our own. But know this, our time is short. Can't we see just everything that's happening? I mean, is it just me? I mean, does it look like things are in control in the world here today? I mean, things are just falling apart on almost every level. I mean, there's just so many problems that are happening right now. We forget what 
God wants us to do here because there's a role that we all need to play here in these end times. We need to take the opportunities that God unfolds for us and take advantage of them. That's what Timothy did. So we're going to end where we started. He accepted being left behind. It would have been much more fun to go hang out with the Apostle Paul and continue to go. But now you're going to pastor this church. No, 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 no. Paul, you've been here for three years. You've been pastoring it just fine. Well, that's right. And now you're going to take over. Oh, my goodness. But he accepted it. You know, I mean, it's like he accepted this work because that's what God's will was for him. Yes, when we allow God's will in our lives, it will cost us. It will. It will cost us our time. It'll cost us resources. But one day, the reward will be great in heaven. And I just still, I just, I just long for that time we can just be in heaven. And it, it, isn't going to be awesome to be sitting there in heaven? And maybe, you know, you're there for two or 3,000 years, and all of a sudden you're looking across like, hey, where do I know you from? You're so familiar. You look so familiar. Yeah. I was that guy sitting or that gal sitting on the park bench that you came up and told me that there's a God in heaven that loves me. I mean, it's like, could you imagine? I mean, like, does, it, does life get any better than that? See, God uses people to minister to people. Amen. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34. 789 Los Angeles, California 90034 Three-star general Michael J. Flynn head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.